Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All righty, guys. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. We're going to start this year off with another episode of the Auto Bid. That was Pull Up Tay on the intro music, so make sure you guys go and stream his latest project, Life Ain't Fair. It was his newest music video called New on YouTube, so make sure y'all go ahead and stream that with Nasby. Shout out to uh, the Montgomery County artists putting on. Um, but we have a jam-packed episode for you guys, man. We're going to have uh, Hofstra, men's basketball assistant coach, and former NBA legend, NBA champion, Steve Clapton uh, joining the podcast later on today. Um, he's going to talk to us about his NBA career and some Hofstra and CAA hoops. So I um, can't wait to get that to you guys. But before I get into that and you know, before we get into our you know, games of the week and things like that, I want to make sure I let you guys know, man, to like, subscribe, share this podcast, leave it a rating. Um, it goes a long, long way as far as boosting our engagement and getting this podcast in front of the right eyes. Now, I know you guys love listening to this podcast, so don't be stingy, don't be selfish. You know, share it with your friends. Um, go ahead and give us a like, give us a, a subscribe, you know, and um, just help us get this podcast in front of the people who we need to get it in front of. Please and thank you guys. So, with that being said, Ace, man, we had a jam-packed weekend of mid-major basketball and high-major basketball. I mean, just a jam-packed weekend of college basketball and sports in general, man. Uh, I have to say, you know, I have to give a shout-out to my Washington football team for winning the division this weekend, clinching a playoff berth for the first time in five years. I know this is a college basketball podcast, but, you know, I would be remiss if I did not show some love to my guys. And like my guy Chase Young said, Brady, we coming for you this weekend. So, you know... Like we say, you know, it's jam-packed sports weekend. So, Ace, man, tell me about, you know, uh, your favorite game, what you saw this weekend, man. I was outside my Washington football team clinching the division going to the playoffs, you know, outside of that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know why you're so happy. I mean, the Eagles literally threw the game. They, they literally, you know, almost forfeited. I mean, so, I, I mean, it, it, it was a charity win, you know, so I don't know why everyone here all, all excited. I mean, you guys are going home, you know in a matter of days at this point, uh, once Brady gets a hold of you guys. So, I mean, in, enjoy it while it lasts. I, mean, I, know, I, I know you guys don't go to the playoffs, you know, very often over there. So I'll let you guys have, you know, my Ravens on the other hand, you know, this is our third straight year in the postseason. You know, we were able to clinch a playoff spot this year, this, this, this last weekend as well. So we're going to go ahead and go up to Tennessee and get some revenge for the, for last year's, you know, for last year's debacle that, that happened, you know, so we're going to go ahead and, and get Tennessee out of there. But like you said, man, we had a jam-packed weekend of college basketball, man. So definitely want to talk about a lot of these games, man. I mean, um, the first one the first one that stuck out to me was, was Furman over Mercer, man. I mean, I think you guys know 
this is this is a recurring theme on this podcast. The SoCon is probably our favorite mid-major conference so far. I mean, we talk about it so much, but Furman um, picked up a win over over Mercer this weekend. Um, Mike Bothwell came up huge down the stretch for, for for Furman, man. I mean, I think at this point, man, I think it's honestly looking like Furman um, is the is definitely going to be the best team in the SoCon. I mean, Walford's at two and zero. ETSU surprisingly is also at two and zero. I mean, I know I know it's still early, so I don't want to necessarily say surprisingly. Um, but they are at two and zero. But I mean, I think I think Furman has, has just looked so good, man. It, it, it beat Chattanooga, who was undefeated. Chattanooga actually had had a pretty uh, dis- disappointing loss to VMI. Uh, um, so they, they had lost two in a row after starting the season undefeated. But you know, for for this Furman team, man, they, they were beating Mercer pretty convincingly, um, and then they, they, they let them get back in the game late, man. But um, I, I really I really like really like, like like this Furman team, man. They're they're extremely balanced um, in their scoring, man. I mean, last. I mean, Mike Bothwell is their leading scorer. I mean, the, the game versus Mercer, um, he was their third leading scorer, man. I mean, they, they had this, this kid, Clay Mounts, um, had a big-time game um, uh, uh, against Mercer the, the other night, um, pouring in 27 points, man. And then, obviously, Noah Gurley also chipped in with 23 points, man. So, I mean, anytime you, you can get three guys in, Bothwell – uh, had 15, 5, and 5 with some huge bucket down the stretch. He shot 7 for 10 from the floor, man. But, I mean, this Furman team is extremely balanced, man. I mean, you can get 15 to 20, 25 points from, 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 from you know, multiple different guys. I mean, anytime you, you give a team a team like that, man, they're extremely dangerous, man. So, that's definitely – that was definitely a big win. Uh, Mercer has played well um, to start the season. So, that was a big win um, Furman to be able to get to be able to get that win. Um, another one – another another big game um, – from this weekend it was a weekend series between Liberty and Lipscomb, the two best teams in the Atlantic Sun. I mean, that was a, a, a matchup that I had circled on my calendar um, for for a while now. I, I've been waiting to see, see that matchup. Those are clearly the best two teams in the conference. Um, and Lipscomb was able to get a, was able to get a split down there um, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, they won the first game, I believe, by six points. Second game was, was uh, a little bit of a, of a more um, of a wider spread, it was Liberty getting the victory in that game. But um, I think the Atlantic Sun is going to come down to those two teams, man. I mean, I think at this point it is a two-team race in the Atlantic Sun between Liberty and Lipscomb. If I had to pick a team to, to, to be the favorite in that, in that league, it would definitely be um, Liberty. I mean, they are, they are extremely well 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 coached, um, extremely tough. And that, our guy, which we talk, talked about him last week, man, Darius McGee, he is the real deal, man. I mean, he – he is so athletic, man. He he can get his shot off at any time. He's, he's short. He's only about five nine, man. But he still manages to get his shot off. You know, whatever he wants, man. And I think he, you know, is, is really what makes this Liberty team special. Um, obviously, he's averaging about fifteen points a game. Um, but man, I, I think I think they are extremely good um, defensively as well, man. But um, Liberty, man, I think they they're there right now. Um, my favorite. Um, in the Atlantic Sun, I think Liberty, I think Liberty and Lipscomb are going to be the two teams that end up playing for the championship in the Atlantic Sun. Um, like I said before, if I had to give the edge, I would give the edge to Liberty at this point in time. Um, another split. I mean, I think the recurrent theme in the season is going to be extremely hard to sweep weekends in college basketball this year with the with these back to backs. Um, we said this earlier on in the podcast as well, man. I mean, I think when you when you have back to back games at the same site, man. Um, Whoever loses that first game is coming back week game two with a vengeance, man. So I mean, it's going to be extremely hard to get two wins. Um, but Western Kentucky and Charlotte was able to was able to was able to get a split in conference. USA. say we know how Western, how good Western Kentucky is. We talked about them at at length um, on this podcast, man. Um, for 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 Charlotte to, to be able to go in there and get a split with them was was huge for them. So um, that that was that was a game that that definitely had. Uh, 
had circled on my calendar. And then, of course, we had um, out of the A-10, St. Bonnie's with a game winner. My guy, Kyle Lofton, for St. Bonaventure, Putnam Science Academy alum, sinks a three at the buzzer to give them the lead over Richmond. Richmond has now dropped two of their last three games after looking extremely strong um, start the season. Um, they've now dropped two of their last three. They're going to go up against URI um, tonight at 6 p.m. So we'll see if they can kind of crack that slide tonight. But um, still still definitely a, an extremely good team in, in Richmond. But um, lost to St. Bonaventure, who was an extremely good team as well. Um, we've talking about them as well a lot on this, on this podcast as being a sleeper um, in the A-10. So that was a great win uh, for Mark Schmidt's team uh, over Richmond. And then, of course, we had Fordham over Dayton. Um, that was a shocker to me uh, for them being able to 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 to, to beat Dave. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, a little bit more about that game in the eight ten a little later. Um, those were the games that stuck out for me um, over the weekend, Drew. Sure, me. I, I think that you know that that eight ten man is gonna get tricky because um, you know, like like you mentioned, you know, with with obviously Fordham getting that win over Dave, man, it just shows you, man, like obviously Dave was by far the best team in that conference, you know, last year and. Um, they struggled thus far, you know, losing to, to LaSalle and Fordham, two teams who are begging to be towards the bottom of the league, man. And, you know, those teams are going to be beating up on each other, man. You know, the the, the St. Bonnie's and the Richmond's, you know, the the even like a team like Davidson, man, who a lot of people aren't talking about, but like that team is capable of beating anybody in the A-10 on any given night, you know. And I think that over the course of the season, man, it's going to be hard when, when, when it's time for Selection Sunday. And it's time to, you know, I see how many teams the A-10 is going to get in the tournament. It's going to be tough. To, to really um, have a team to stick out above the rest just because of the fact that they're going to beat up on each other in conference play, man. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the league shakes out, man. But I want to talk about the MAC a little bit, man. I think um, in the MAC this weekend, I will say definitely, man, undoubtedly the, the, the biggest game this weekend was uh, Siena being able to get two games over Monmouth. Um, we didn't know what Siena was going to look like. You know, obviously with them playing the first two games of the season, um, a lot of us did not know what they were going to look like coming off quarantine and, you know, coming off just practicing when mainly teams have been playing for weeks. Um, and then we were able to get two games over Monmouth, man. I was able to watch those games. I mean, um, the first game, I just uh, – I, I feel bad for those guys at Monmouth, man, because I, I think I think they had the game won. You know, I think anybody who's watching that game, man, um, Deion Hammond was was playing extremely well from, from you know, from a scoring standpoint, but uh, just could not make a free throw. I believe he was 4 for 11 from the free throw line that game. Um and he missed three key free throws in the last a minute, in the last minute, 30 seconds of the game. I'm talking about like, you know, one one point game, one possession games, um, you know, getting fouled and, you know, having to go to the line and convert. Um, you know, when you miss three free throws in the last minute and a half, it's going to be hard for your chance to win. Uh, Diamond Tolley also had a, a key turnover um, late in the game that I think also kind of carried over to the next game. He didn't get in until late in the second half. Um, so I know King Rice was probably trying to figure out, you know, the rhythm over there, just trying to figure out, you know, how um, Donovan and Dion and, and Shapu and uh, Pappas and all those guys can play together, you know. But I think that from a Mammoth team who definitely feels like they probably should have won that first game, you know, for him to be able to get the first game and the second game, um, I think that just shows, man, that the Saints are a real deal. Um, you know, I think that um, the, the the question marks can be removed from that team as far as how they're going to be able to bounce back from the quarantine. Uh, right now, they're the only team in the MAC that has you know zero losses outside of Quinnipiac, who has not played yet. You know, but the only team who's played a game and has not lost, um, even though it's only two games, I think that um, I think that the Saints definitely sent the message to the rest of the MAC that you know they're going to be a player. You know, Dylan Pickett obviously had two monster games. Um, 
Manny Camper showed why he's going to be a first-team All-Mac selection this season again, probably just because of his versatility on the way he can score, rebound the ball. Um, so I think, man, the Saints are definitely going to be, you know, a viable, viable threat in the MAC. You know, obviously with a lot of those transfers that, that they were able to bring in as well. Um, another shocking and shocking outcome for me, at least in the MAC, was Canisius being able to sweep um, St. Peter's. I think that that was definitely surprising, just given the fact that you know St. Peter's was three and one entering that trip, and you know, for playing in the MAC, man, obviously you know that. Going to Buffalo, whether it's Niagara or Canisius, I mean, it's tough to get two wins, um, to get a win, period, up there. You know, it's tough to even get one win. Um, but I think that if I was a betting man, I would have bet that St. Peter's would have been able to get at least one and split. So um, huge props to Canisius for, able, for being able to steal two, man. And I think that just um, is going to show, man, that there's going to be a lot of teams in the MAC that are capable of getting a win on any 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 given night. You know, Kenesha wasn't a team that we answered this, they answered that weekend series. I'm sure they did, you know, thinking that, 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 that they can get a sweep. But a lot of people probably thought that, you know, St. Peter's was probably um, in shape to get at least one, if not two, up there. So um, I think that just shows the depth of the MAC that there are going to be a lot of teams that might, you know, um, that are going to be able to, to, to get a win over those top teams, whether it be Monmouth, whether it be St. Peter's, you know, even Siena. You know, I think, um, you know, when they, when they get on the road, you know, uh, history has shown, I think last year, they were undefeated at home um, at Times Union Center, but they were much worse on the road. So I think that any MAC team on the road, man, is going to be tough this year. Um, and it's it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to play that best basketball on the road if you, if you plan on getting even one win, you know. Um, I remember Coach Dunleavy used to always say, man, like, you have to, you have to, you have to win by 10, you know, on, on the road. Like, you know, like, um, because – you're going to have, like, when you're on the road, you're going to have, you know, the refs, the calls are going to go against you. You know, you might not make a shot, you know, the rims, you, you can't really control that. So, like, figuratively, you have to win by 10 to win by one. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to miss shots. You know, you're, the refs aren't going to go against you. You're not going to get any calls. You know what I'm saying? So, to win by one on the road, you have to figuratively win by 10. So, I think that that's, um, you know, shout out to Kudunley for that one, man, because I think that that's, that's proving to be more and more true. Um, you know, truer true than ever, I would say. So, um, you know, also Maris and Aguilar were able to get a split this weekend and Fairfield and the Ryder also split um, in the MAC. So I think that, you know, nothing, nothing too surprising there. I think we'll see a lot of splits um, in, in a lot of these weekend series, you know, but I think, you know, for the weekend, those were kind of my games uh, that I, had, I think had the biggest implications, man, you know, but I could not, you know, end this particular segment without talking about Gonzaga, you know, who is who is the best team in the country. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, that goes without saying the best mid-major in the country coming out of the WCC, man. They were able to get a win over San Francisco. And I think um, the thing that I, that I took the most, you know, from, from this game, man, was that, you know, Gonzaga was able to win this game pretty convincingly. You know, they won by 23 points. And Jalen Suggs, the uh, consensus top five pick in the draft, you know, had five points. You know, had five points, shot six shots. You know, he wasn't really a factor in the game at all. And the Zags still won by 23. You know what I'm saying? The Corey Kispert has 26. You know, Joy Ayi has 18 and 10. You know, Andrew Nemhard has 14 and 4 off of the bench. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's just, that just speaks to the strength of this team, man. When you have a, you know, a guy who's in the conversation, literally. I mean, Jalen Suggs is in the conversation for the number one pick in the draft. You know, when you can have a guy like that score five points and you still win by not one or two, but you win by 23 um, against a conference opponent, you know, that just tells you, you know, how strong the Zags are, man. So that goes without saying, um, you know, I think that, that they're definitely going to be, like I said, man, I don't, I don't really see that team losing, man. I don't really know how you, how you beat that team. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think and even more than that, I mean, you have a number one pick in the draft because uh, um, debatably in Jalen Suggs. I mean, he he's probably not even the best player on his team. I mean, you have Drew Timmy, who, who's they, – they legitimately have three guys that can make first team – that can be first team All-Americans. I mean, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispers, I mean, he's scoring averaging 21 a game. And people know about – nobody really talks about him. I mean, he's – he could – he's going to be – I think he's going to be a first team All-American. If if, this, if he ends up leading that team with score, he's going to be a first team All-American. You know, I think he was a preseason first team All-American uh, – before the year started, you know, after you have Drew Timmy who's going to be there the world and, and Jalen Suggs, I mean, that team is just unbelievable. I mean, it, it's it's really kind of crazy how how good they are. We talk a little bit about them. They have a huge matchup this weekend against BYU that we're going to talk about a little later in the show. But I want to back up a little bit um, to the MAC um, and, and and specifically to to that Mammoth and Sienna series. Um, Mammoth is going to have to figure out a way to to rein in Diamond Tolley because. I mean, he is the he's he's. I won't say he's their best player, but he's their best playmaker. Like as far as getting his stuff off the bounce, creating for himself. I mean, this dude played ten minutes and got up seven shots. I mean, he 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 shot the second most shots on the team. I mean, Deion Hammond shot ten and Pappas shot ten. Other than that, he he shot he shot seven shots. Nobody. I mean, you have a bunch a couple people that shot six, but I mean, he only played ten minutes, scored six points. You know, so it's like he came in and was getting was getting to the rim at will, was getting fouled. I mean, he has to be on the court for them. So King West is going to have to find a way to kind of to kind of to get to him to terrain him in where he's not taking bad shots or he's not you know turning the ball over because he is a dynamic scorer. He they, they they need him on the court. I mean, they need him on the court. And I mean that that second game, I, I watched it as well. I mean, there were times where they literally just could not buy a bucket. Like you have guys that were literally like. You know, not nine three point shooters, or or that were not necessarily like offensive minded guys. You know, that are trying to make plays, that are, that are trying to do things that necessarily aren't really in the strength of their games. You know, so it's like you need somebody that can make the game easy for those guys. You need somebody that can make the game easy for Nikki Ruddy, for Malik Martin. You know, guys that can get for Marcus McClary, guys that can get in the paint and, and you know get those guys flashing, getting downhill. You know, say obviously Deion Hammond. You know, he you know he can create his own shot. George Pappas. I want to make sure I talk about George Pappas. This dude is a problem. I mean, this dude. This dude. I don't think he gets enough credit for just just how good of a season he's had. I mean, he's had, he's averaging 15 points a game um, this season, shooting 48 percent from three, 52 percent from the floor. I mean, he has to. I, I think they need to get him a little bit more involved as well. Um, I mean, he, he he shoots six for ten, you know, versus Siena. Um, I was talking to my guy uh, Andrew Canavos there the other day, um, and we were talking. I mean, th- this dude. He, it was, there were times in the, in the first half where he would come down, get his own bucket in transition. I'm like, yo, why is he not getting more shots? Like, he would go five, six, seven minutes without without shooting the ball. I mean, he he's shooting 50 some percent from from the floor, almost 50 from three, and averaging 15 points a game. I think they need to get him more involved. Uh, Mama is a good team, man, and Mama should have definitely got at least one of those games um, against Seattle this weekend. Uh, so I think that's going to be a key for them, just trying to, trying to find a way to get Donovan totally involved, trying to, way, trying to find a way to get – George Pappas more involved. I think you know that they'll they'll find a way to figure that out, man. But Canisius definitely was a surprising result. Um, Sweep at St. Peter's. We're gonna find out a lot about them as they're playing Siena this weekend. Um, they're gonna take a trip up to Albany and, and play Siena for for two games. So you know if if Siena comes out of that four and zero, I think we're gonna be having a, a completely different conversation about them. I mean, I think I think I mean at the beginning of the year they were obviously picked first, but you know, a- after having not seen them, having them not play, if they're able to start the max season four and oh, you know, with, with two wins over Mama and then two over Canisius, I think that'd be a huge statement to the to the league. But um also want to talk about the A ten man, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Um 
the A-10 is in some trouble, man. I mean, I think when you talk about their strength of the league, you know, they only had two teams in the top 50. Um, that was St. Louis and VCU. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes down to Section Sunday, you know, the A-10 is always always a league where you're, where you're asking yourself, oh, are they going to get one team? Is it going to be two? Is it going to be three? And at the beginning of the year, I was, I was thinking the A-10 could definitely get, you know, three, maybe even four teams in this year. Um, but if your top teams, a team like a Dayton is losing to teams like Fordham and teams like LaSalle, that is going to hurt the strength of the league. It's going to hurt the league on Flexion Sunday, you know, because you, you can't have that. You know, I think, I think right now um, if, things are, if things are going to continue, it's still early. It's still extremely early, so I want to preface that by saying. But, I mean, I think um, VCU obviously is, 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 is in a good place right now if, if things were to continue the way they're going. They, they, they could be in competition for at-large. And, then of course, St. Louis, they're currently on par. We haven't even seen them play an A-10 game yet um, because they're battling COVID-19. Um, so we're waiting on them to get back on the floor. Their, their next scheduled game is going to be January 15th versus Davidson, um, which, which, which will tell us a lot about that team. Um, but I think St. Louis and VCU are, are right now the two teams that I can see getting getting at large. I mean, you talk about a team like Richmond. I mean, everybody was extremely high on them to start the year um, because of that victory at Kentucky. But obviously that Kentucky one is not looking very good anymore as Kentucky is, has really struggled throughout the course of this season. So, you know, you, you, you take that one away, their best wins at this point are Northern Iowa by 10. Northern Iowa is really struggling. They're like 2-7. and seven. We thought they were going to be a lot better coming into this year. They got picked um, toward the top of the Missouri Valley. They've really struggled. Um, they have a victory over Walford by five points, which is going to, I think, as the season goes on, I mean, People who know basketball know Wofford is a, is a great program. Um, I mean, they, they beat Lowell Chicago, which could end up being a, a really good win for them if they end up coming out of the um, Missouri Valley. Then they have a win over Davidson and a win over Vanderbilt um, as well. But Vanderbilt, obviously, is, is going to be a bottom of the SEC team. So um, I think Richmond is, is going to have to has some work to do. I mean, obviously, it starts tonight. They're playing URI. URI is another team um, that's been kind of – you know that has been in the conversation for some for some uh, at large bids over the past few years. But they're at five and five now. I think they've kind of played themselves out of that you know at large bid conversation. Um, so I think the A10 has some work to do, man. I think right now you're looking at potentially a one or two bid league um, right now out of the A10, unless you know teams start to separate themselves and you get some, some separation. Um, at the top toward the rest of the team. But if we keep seeing what we've been seeing, which is, you know, everybody's beating up on each other, you're going to have teams with, you know, eight, nine, ten losses. And you're not getting an eight, ten team at an at-large bid if they have ten losses. So, I mean, I think we're going to have to – that's going to be something to watch um, as we head towards Selection Sunday. Um, mentioned a little bit just now that the net rankings uh, that came out. So, I definitely want to talk about those. Um, there were nine the majors – um, in that net ranking initially, after you had Gonzaga, which we're calling a mid-major, of course, um, they came in number one in the net ranking. No, no surprise, uh, surprise to no one. Um, St. Louis came in at 12. Boise State, a surprising team out of the Mountain West Conference, is at 13. Um, Colgate, this is my biggest surprise, out of the Patriot League, is at 16th in the net rankings. They're one and one. It's not like it's not. This is not a team that was obviously the Patriot League just started playing games. Um, their first victory came by 41 points in a, in a win over Army. Um, so that's probably an um, indication of why that is. You know, Army's a good team. But then they lost to Army the next night. So they end up getting a split with, with Army. They still come in at number 16 on the, on the first edition of the, of the net rankings. Drake is at 20. I think they should be a lot higher there at 13-0. and 0. We'll talk about a little bit about them in a second. VCU's 31, uh, Winthrop 39, Colorado State 40, San Diego State 41. And then Furman um, comes in at 53 out of the SoCon. You know how I feel about them. 
But I definitely want to talk about this Winthrop team, man. They're at 39 right now. Um, they're the best team in the Big South. They are undefeated. Uh, I got to see them this weekend. They, they swept Charleston Southern um, on the road. So that was, that was a huge win um, for that team, man. But Winthrop, the team that's sitting currently at 9-0, and um, and one of those wins is against Furman. I mean, they beat Furman very convincingly. They beat him, you know, by 16 points. Um, so it wasn't like they, like they barely beat him. I mean, they, they, really, they really handled Furman um, when they played him. And uh, obviously we know, we know how much respect Furman gets um, on, on this show and in, in, in the eyes of college basketball, man. Winkler beat those guys by 16 points. So they're undefeated in, in the Big South right now. I mean, I think they're going to be a team um, to, to circle on your brackets as we head towards Selection Sunday, man. If they end up um, getting into the tournament, which I believe they will, I mean, I think, I think they're the best team in the Big South. I think it's them, you know, and then, and then everyone else, um, honestly, right now at this point. Um, they're six and zero in the league. Radford is out to a five and one start in, in the Big South, um, so so they're always going to be there. Um, Mike Jones uh, is extremely great, great coach over there at Radford. So we definitely want to give those guys his props. But it's looking like Winthrop, man, is the best team in the Big South right now. They're playing extremely well right now. Have yet to lose. Um, and then Colorado State came in at forty, and then San Diego State at forty one. Um, so I think the, those, the net ring, I mean, obviously you can't put too much stock um, into these, into these, the first edition um, of these net rankings just because of the fact that it is so early. Uh, it's not really clear as to, you know, the, the, the criteria that, 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 that they look at. I mean, um, Jeff Bordello came out and said um, they changed the, the net. Uh, so he said, remember, the NCAA changed the net formula in the spring to include just two factors, the team value index and adjusted efficiency. So winning winning percentage, adjusted winning percentage, and scoring margin are no longer factors. So I don't know what team value index is. That that's one of those subjective matrix um, that, that 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 I guess NCAA has came has come up with. Um, so I, I guess you know we'll, 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 as the season goes on, we'll get a clear clear idea. You know, once these teams have played more games, we'll get a clear idea of exactly what that means. But um, the first the first edition of the, of the net rankings were extremely telling. Um, in my opinion, so before I talk about Drake, uh, do you have anything you want to say about, about about the net rankings? Yeah, man. I mean, I was gonna say, uh, I guess the one thing that's probably uh, honorable mention for for a crazy thing we saw. We're gonna get to that a little later in the show, obviously, man. But it's it's I don't even know the word. Um, it's just shocking to me that you can win by forty on one night and then lose the very next night. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what happened? Like, they must have, they must have said, man, it's about to be sweet out here. And the <laughs> Army said, no, sir. I mean, you know, I, mean look, I mean, that's that's quite the turnaround in one night. I mean, how you go up 40 to, to losing the next night? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, literally, they won the first game 101 to 57, and then they lost the next game 75 to 73. So Army must have, must have cracked down on defense. I mean, they allowed a one on one the first night. And they only allowed 73. So that was really the story of the two games. But, I mean, as you said earlier, man, it's going to be extremely hard to sweep weekends in college basketball. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how – I mean, it's, it, you want, it's, it's crazy. They won by 40. I mean, they won by 40, literally one-on-one to 57. And then coming to be in the parking lot doing burpees and, and doing drills and up all night next next week. And after that game, it probably wouldn't mind the shape. Not for sure. I mean, I don't know any other, any other explanation. I mean, literally the only team to go 2-0 and in the Patriot League was Navy. They got off to a 2-0 start. Literally every other team is 1-1 in the, in the Patriot League. So, I mean, that league is probably going to have a lot of parity. Um, 
we're going to talk a little bit about another game in that league this weekend, so I don't want to jump the gun. Um, but I definitely want to talk about Drake, man. I mean, we talked about them a little earlier. They are 13-0. and 0. Um, I mean, that is not getting enough, enough attention, in my opinion, nationally. They're 13-0. They just swept Southern Illinois. We talked a lot about them last week. That's a good team. I mean, they, they beat them, you know, pretty handily. They beat them by over 20 points. Then they beat them by 18. And then they beat them by about 23 or 24 um, the following night. I mean, that, that's, that margin of victory um, over a good Southern Illinois team. Like, this is not a – Southern Illinois has some good wins um, on the season. They're, they're, they're you know, 7-3 and three team. And um, – for Drake to handle them, they beat him by 21 and 18. So, I mean, for Drake to handle, handle them, them like that um, was extremely, extremely – I mean, it's, it's great for them. I mean, I, I, they, they are extremely good uh, offensive team. I mean, their they're leading scorer, Shanquan Hemphill, he only plays 25 minutes a game. And he's the leading – I mean, he, he, he had played the most minutes uh, on their team at 25 minutes a game. He averages 14 points a game. They've only got three guys in double figures, but – they average 84 points a game. I mean, their their top five scores are all shooting better than 51% from the floor. And the team is shooting 53.5% from the floor. And they're shooting 43% from three. And they average 84 points a game. So they're an extremely, extremely efficient offensive team. Um, extremely hard to guard. Like, like I said before, that they only have – um, three guys that are they're average double figures, but I mean, they have 14, 12, 11, 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 3, 3. I mean, like they have a, a lot of guys um, that, that, that are contributing. I mean, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys playing double, double figure minutes. Um, and like I said, their, their top five scores are all shooting above 50% from the floor. So that is an extremely hard team, team to slow down. Um, they're, 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 playing, they're playing well. Uh, at the right time, I think we're going to see a lot. We're going to be able to tell a lot about them this weekend as they go up against Little Chicago. I will definitely be tuned in to that to that series this weekend um, as they take on Little Chicago. So one thing I want to point out, man, Drake thirteen and zero um, is definitely an, an underrated team right now. They came in at number twenty in the net ranking, so the committee is definitely giving them some respect uh, early on. Uh, for sure, man. Definitely, man. Shout out to Drake. Shout out to the Missouri Valley Conference, man. That's definitely um, a, a big time for that league, man. But, you know, without further ado, I want to get you guys over to this interview with Speedy Claxton, um, who is one of the coaches over at Hofstra out of the CAA, man. So um, this is going to be one you guys are going to enjoy, man. So we're going to get you guys over to that ASAP. All righty, guys, All Facts Media here. My name is Andrew Robinson, joined as always by my twin brother, Aaron Robinson. And uh, today we have a special guest on this episode of the Auto Bid. We have Hofstra men's basketball coach and former NBA veteran Speedy Claxton. Thanks for joining us today. No doubt, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Yes, sir. Um, so, Coach, man, obviously, you know, a lot of people might know, you know, about your playing days, man. But, you know, for those who don't, kind of talk us through, you know, just – your basketball career, kind of how you got into playing, you know, uh, the college level, and then what, what brought you into the coaching world today? Uh, well, you know, I started out as a young pup playing, uh, probably around 10 years old, you know, played Tiny Tots, CYO basketball. Uh, but I didn't play too much AAU basketball. Um, but I was still able to go to uh, a very basketball-rich tradition high school in Christ the King in Middle Village, Queens, where I teamed up with the likes of Eric Barkley and Lamar Odom, who was also uh, first-round NBA draft picks themselves. So we had a very good high school team. We was nationally ranked. We was number two in the country when when all three of us was there. 
uh, from there. But, well, from there, those two guys got more of the shine that I did. So they were both McDonald's All-Americans, you know, all, all city, all that type stuff. So I was kind of like the, the third fill on the team. So I kind of got overlooked and under-recruited. Um, so I decided to verbal commit to, to Hofstra uh, in the fall. And then went on to have a really good senior year. And while I was having that, 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 senior, uh, that good of a senior year, a lot of the big schools started coming after me and trying to get me to back out of my verbal commitment um, to Coach Wright, Coach Jay Wright, who's now the Villanova head coach. But it was just something in my gut that told me to stick with my decision. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I did because I went on to have a, a great college career, four-year starter at Hofstra playing on the uh, who's soon to be Hall of Fame uh, coach and Jay Wright. And then went on to get drafted in the first round by the 76ers um, with the 20th pick. And then went on to have a 10-year NBA career. And it's kind of wild when you think about it, coming from where I came from, no one thought I was going to make it to the NBA. I was, I was always one of the smaller guys on the court. Uh, like I said, I got under-recruited, so nobody really looked at me as a NBA um, player, but I proved a lot of people wrong, and uh, if I had to do it over again, it wouldn't have changed anything I did. Now, talk about your time, you know, playing for Coach Pop in, in San Antonio, you know, playing with, with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu and, and all those guys down there in San Antonio when, when, you, were, when, you, were, um, when you were down there. Yeah, my time in San Antonio was amazing, man. You know, when I when I first got traded there, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I was I was kind of I was kind of shocked. You know, it was my first time getting traded, and you know, I'm an East Coast kid. I got drafted. I, I was born in New York, raised in New York, and then my first stop was in Philly. It was you know still East Coast, and now I'm going out Midwest in San Antonio, Texas. I never lived in no Texas. I'm an East Coast boy. So I know what to expect, but when I got there, you know, they, they welcomed me with open arms. Um, and that's, I mean, that organization is tremendous. Like, the first day I got there, we played pickup basketball. We had open gym. And then after we finished playing, Tim, Tim Dunn was like, yo, sweetie, what's you, what you doing after we finished playing? I was like, I'm not going to just go to the crib and chill. He was like, yo, come play paintball with us. A bunch of us go play, go and play paintball. Um, and that was going to be my first time playing paintball. So I was like, you know what, let me go hang out with my teammates. So cool. I said, yeah, let's go, let's go. Uh, so we went there, you know, rented the guns and whatever. But then I seen Tim Tim and his boys walking with their own guns, their own vests and arms. I'm like, oh, y'all play play, for real. <laughs> <laughs> so we went, we went out on the field. And remember, Tim Duggan is seven feet now. Yeah. I didn't see him the whole game. I'm like, yo, where's this guy at? Starting <laughs> for the hiding. But you know, I'm showing my little one pellet at a time. Boom, boom. I peek out. It's. It, I swear, it felt like they had machine guns over there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not getting hit with these things. I'm like, nah, no, no way. But it was. It was so much fun playing with them. I mean, Tim Duncan is a great guy on and off the court. Uh, Ginobili the same. Tony Parker. I mean. I think the way we hung out off the court, it made us be a good team um, because it's just built chemistry and trust amongst each other. Right. Now, you know, 
you know, at least for from from me and uh, casual basketball fans, man, like when you see Tim Duncan, you know, he's very seems like he's quiet. He doesn't really do anything. Far from it. Yeah, yeah. Like, talk, talk, talk about Tim Duncan, man. Like, what's he like, you know, behind the scenes? <laughs> Yo, Tim is – he's a jokester. He's a joke. He's a big jokester. He's hes not he, – he is not shy. He's not quiet. <laughs> that, that is that is not the truth. Uh, when he gets out into, into, like, you know, the world and stuff, that's, that's who he is. But, like, behind closed doors and in the locker room, man, Tim is a great guy. He's fun. He 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 likes to, he likes to play jokes on everybody. He he good dude to be around, man. Now now the other half of the, of the San Antonio Spurs, you know, dynasty was Greg Popovich. I mean, everybody has this perception of, of Pop and you know what what he's like and how to play for him. I mean, what what was it like playing for Pop, for, for uh, Popovich? And you know, what can you remember about you know him? You know, like like um, behind closed door when it came when the cameras weren't rolling. You know, what is he like? Pop was great, man. He's another one that you, when he gets in front of the camera, you you look at him and he's just like like this no like this strict like straightforward guy. But then like on the basketball court, like he's just like Tim Duncan. He's playful, like mad cool. Like I mean, you know, he's gonna he's gonna define your role from day one, and you're gonna be asked to do exactly what he he wants you to do. I think that's why they're they're so successful. But Pop is cool, man. Uh, he's one of the best coaches that I ever got a chance to play for. And I, I owe him a lot, man. Now that that series in that in that finals, uh, when you guys were able to beat the Nets, man, kind of talk about just that that season, that journey, and what it was like to be able to just culminate in a championship. I mean, you know, it was a dream come true. You know, growing up watching the finals, you know, watching Magic Johnson, watching Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, all these cats, and then actually getting to play in the NBA finals, it was like so surreal. I'm like, this. I, it's not till. After I retired and I look back and I really says to myself, self like, wow, you really got to play in an NBA championship like this. That's that's insane. To and not just not just be there, but to actually be on the court and be a, a contributor. I mean, I will I will never forget that. But like, I mean, that was an unbelievable moment, man. It's just I wish everybody got a chance to experience that because it's it's truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to pivot a little bit to, to you guys now um, over at Hofstra. Um, you guys are having a good season. You guys were picked, you know, first in, in the CAA. You guys were picked um, to, to repeat, obviously, coming off last year um, where we got one in the CAA championship. I mean, um, talk, talk about the expectations uh, that for you guys' team this year and, and um, um, how you guys are handling them uh, thus far. Yeah, we got picked to win the league. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's just the coaches' poll. Uh, now we got to – Coach Mahalik will always say you got to either prove them right or you got to prove them wrong. Uh, this time we got to prove them right. Um, they picked us to win the league, and we have our first game tomorrow against William & Mary. We just got to go out there and, and play hard and compete and be the leaders of the pack from day one. Now, you guys were uh, able to get a big-time win over Richmond the other day, a team that was ranked in the top 25, um, another great mid-major program. Um, talk about, you know, what that win meant for your, for your program to kind of, um, you know, put everybody on notice that Hofstra is also uh, a legit mid-major. Oh, that was amazing. I mean, it was the first time that we've ever beat a nationally ranked team. So it was definitely um, – we'll go down in history books for us. Uh, we, we definitely caught them at the right time. Um, you know, right before that Christmas break, they was ready to go. I think I, I feel like they were all ready to go home, and we knew that it's a trap game. We was like, you know what? These guys are ready to go home. They're they're at home. They got their they got their last game before the break at home. They're out of here right after that. 
we still got a long bus ride back. Yo, let's do something special before we before we start our break. And 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 we did it. Now you guys have three of the best players in the league. Um, I mean, t- talk about you know how 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 uh, important uh, those three guys are. Um, two guys said obviously uh, last year that's had five starters that average double figures. Guys got yeah. three, three of them back this year. Um, I mean, talk about about, about those guys and, and the importance uh, of, of them to to your team. I mean, they're huge. We we need those three guys to be consistent in order for us to win every night. And each of them. Are step each of them are stepping into different roles than they were in last year, um, but they they've all succeeded expectations, and they just got to continue to grow as the season goes along. And I think if they do that, we'll be straight. Now, I'm kind of you know going off of that, you know, we got you know right now you guys have Jalen Ray averaging 19 a game, Tariq Coburn at 18, Isaac Conte averaging double double with 13 and seven. I mean. Not a lot of teams have that kind of firepower, man. I mean, talk, talk about, you know, that and just, um, you know, how that kind of separates you guys from a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have all three of those guys uh, being high double-digit scores because somebody might have an off night. And hopefully the other two will pick that guy up. So um, it's very important. Um, it's good that they're all – uh, upperclassmen, they know what to, we know. They know what to expect from us. We know what we need from them. And so far, they've been handling it. They've been handling their business. Now, last year, um, you guys had had obviously uh, Desiree Bowie um, and, and uh, Elijah Pemberton. Both of those guys averaged, you know, eighteen plus points points per game. And obviously, you guys again have you know uh, <laughs> multiple guys, you know, uh, up there in that seventeen, eighteen. Uh, point per game. I mean, I mean, talk about um, how you guys have been able to to kind of have multiple guys contribute. You know, is, is there something that um, about your offense that allows multiple guys to be successful? I mean, I think it. I think it's a credit to our development. Um, I think we we really place a lot of play development. You know, from the start of the year to when these guys are freshmen and they grow as people, they grow as players. Um, they're always getting into the gym um, on their own and with us. And, I mean, you know, as they get older, you, you see it. You see the transition onto, onto the court. I mean, and even before that, with a guy like Justin Wright Foreman, who was also able to, you know, get drafted into the league, you know, from Austin, man. Talk about what, what he was every, like. Every year, every year, we, every year is somebody else, man. Everybody – every year is – somebody steps up into that next spot, man. Hopefully it keeps going. I mean, that means we're doing a great job of developing our younger players. But, yeah, Justin, I mean, he was a surprise also. I mean, he went from averaging one point his freshman year, scoring a total of 44 points his whole freshman year, to averaging 23 his senior year and getting drafted in the second round by Utah. You, I mean, you don't see that too often, but – it's yep. a credit to him. He, I mean, he he really was a hard worker. Like he knew where he wanted to go, and he made sure he put into hard work to get there. Now you mentioned earlier, um, you guys have your first weekend series against William and Mary, um, t- t- uh, tomorrow and and uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, Sunday. Yep, yep tomorrow and Sunday. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys? Um, doing to, to prepare for for women and Mary. I mean, obviously their team last year. You know, they they lose Nate tonight. Uh, they they were picked, I believe, tenth in the CAA. Uh, this year, but um, what do you guys have to do to go in there and try to get that weekend sweep? Well, first of all, we can't look at uh, their their preseason pick. That's out the door. I mean, we know once we get into conference play, anybody could be anybody. Um, 
I mean, they pre- they 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 beat us by I think thirty points in our first game against them last year, and with them losing Nathan Knight, just like other guys on our team stepped up, they gonna have guys on their team that step that steps up, and we gotta be ready for that. They have a really good guard in Luke Lowy, um, who was first team all defense last year, so he's gonna try to make it a nightmare for Jalen Ray. Yep. Yep. Now you know for you guys. Um, Obviously, um, being in the CAA, man, the CAA is one of the strongest uh, mid-major conferences on the East Coast. And I mean, I think a lot of people don't really realize that. Um, yeah. Can I talk about the, the strength of you guys' league, um, just for the people who may not may not really know about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a great it's, – it's a really good league. I mean, I think it's, it's really slept on. Uh, we've, been, we've been producing pros the last couple of years, and not just Justin Wright Foreman. Uh, Joe Chili got drafted by Charlotte. Uh, then Justin got drafted. Then this past year, uh, actually Justin got drafted with Brantley. Yep, from uh, Charleston. Charleston. And then this past year, Nathan Knight is over playing with Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Brant Rillis got drafted by Charlotte, and then Nate Darlins with Charlotte also. So this league is produ- not this league is not just producing pros. We are producing NBA players. So this the the scouts definitely come to this league and they actually a bunch of them call me at the beginning of the year and find out who should who should they be looking at within the league. Now, obviously, uh, now we're in, a, we're in a unique time with COVID-19. You know, guys are, you know, going on pause and, and not going on pause. You know, thankfully, you guys, knock on wood, have not had, have not had to go on pause yet. Only had one game canceled that first one. Uh, yep. of me. How have you guys been, been kind of de- de- dealing with, with COVID? And, you know, what, what, what um, specifically in your program have you guys done to kind of avoid the, the, the shutdown so far? Well, we, I mean, we've been preaching safety to these kids. Uh <clears throat> we kind of created our own little bubble and we don't allow them outside that bubble. Uh, we, we get them food. We created a lounge space for them within the arena where they go kind of hang out and, and watch games and eat and kind of just be around each other. And to their credit, I mean, they want to play basketball. And we, we told them from the start, if this is what you want, if you want to play basketball, this is what you need to do. And they've been great with it, man. Hopefully, they can continue it. Now, you guys are without your head coach. Um, you, see, you know, you guys have, a, have an interim head coach right now. Um, can I talk about how you guys have been able to transition and kind of keep things, keeping that, you know, going um, at a high level? Well, Coach Mahali, he he did a good job of uh, preparing us for a day when we we would take over the program. Um, like you said, Mike Farrell is the acting head coach. He's done a terrific job in stepping in uh, in place of Coach Mahali while he's on leave. Um, but these guys, so these, it's, it's really the kids, man. They they believe in, in what we're preaching, and they allow us to coach them. And they, they're, they're giving us 110%. Now, um, going back to your playing days, I mean, when, when you were you, – you're not that played at Hawks. I mean, you know, what does it mean for you to, to, to be able to come full circle? I mean, from, from a guy who played at the school to now a guy who's, you know, coaching at, at, at his alma mater. Man, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, this is this is my plan once I decided to, to commit to Hofstra way back when in 2000. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere where I'm going to be able to, to hopefully come back one day after I finish playing and, and coach there. And 
it's it's happening. I mean, that's that, that was my plan, and it's it's going it's going accordingly. Uh, kind of um, taking a rewind a little bit to, to last season, man. You guys were able to win the CAA, um, but obviously the NCAA tournament was was canceled, man. Um, so kind of talk about you know uh, how disappointing kind of that was, not really be able to get to the NCAA tournament and, and playing that, and kind of you know how you guys have been able to kind of use that, you know, going into this season. Yeah, it sucked big time. I mean, you know, you went from the highs of highs to the lows of lows. One night you did win the championship, thinking you're going to the NCAA championship. March Madness, you're dancing, you're going to come home, you're going to have a party, you know, get that campus love. And then two days later, <laughs> everything's gone, just like that. And then this whole COVID uh, situation becomes bigger than you originally thought. And, you know, while I was at the tournament, we was all talking about, oh, maybe they'll cancel the tournament and they'll make the person who won the regular season go to the tournament. You know, Joe just joking around. Yeah. Um, but then... Once we won it and then they canceled it, it really got real. And then this whole COVID thing became a, a, a national crisis. Um, and it sucked for these kids. You know, being at a mid-major program, you don't get to go to the tournament like that every year. Yeah. That's just, that's, that just doesn't happen. Um, so it took us a long time. It's been 20 years since House had been back there. And it kind of just sucked that we kind of complete, you know, Around. Now you got to play in the NCAA tournament at Hofstra. I mean, talking about what that moment meant, meant for you. I mean, you, you guys won back when they were in the America East. Um, so I mean, talk about what, what, what that moment meant for you <laughs> to be able to go to the tournament playing at Hofstra. Yeah, it was an amazing moment. That's why I wish these kids would have got a chance to to experience that because I know how special it is to get there from a mid major, and these kids worked so hard. You know, each and every year we got closer and closer to the dream. And then in a lot, well, in DeJoy Bowie and Eliza Premises last year, who were two guys who were really vital to our, our success the last couple of years, they got over the hurdle and got there, but they didn't really get a chance to, to fully experience it. It's just, it really sucks for them. But, you know, I, it, I, it, it, it was amazing for me to get this. I just wanted them to experience all the love that comes with it. Now, man, it's, it's, it's really crazy to think that, you know, back in the America East, man, you know, you were able to get drafted in the first round from the America East. I think about that now, like most guys that get drafted from small schools, you know, from the Ohio Valley, like New Murray State, yeah. you know, from the Mountain West, with the Kauai and Fresno State, yeah. Paul George, like, you know, thinking back, like, dang, you know, I was really able to get drafted first round out of the America East. Like, when you say that now, it's like just, wow. It's, that was crazy. I mean, <laughs> not too many guys are getting drafted from the America East, which means I was, I was definitely doing my numbers. <laughs> 50. <laughs> oh, man. But, like, also, man, like, you know, thing is about the, the kind of progression of, of, you know, even like like you mentioned earlier with, with Jay Wright, you know, coaching you guys at Hofstra and then, you know, seeing kind of where he's at now with Villanova and winning two that same man, what is that like for you? It's mind blowing. It is absolutely mind blowing. You know, to to see Coach Wright and all the success that he's had, it's crazy to see him in that light now where he's kind of like a celebrity coach. Like he's he's talked about in the same breath as the Coach K's, the Calipari's, and it's it's wild to see because I'm I've I'm used to seeing him. I'm I'm used to know him as the Hofstra head coach. Yeah. And here he is. He's a he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. 
And it's crazy because I text, we actually was talking about this the other day, him and I. And I was like, it's crazy to see, it's crazy that I play, I'm going to, I play for a Hall of Fame coach. And he was like, nah, what's even crazier is that you made this Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> so it's definitely mutual respect that we have for each other. Yeah. Now, obviously, Drew and I played at Quinnipiac, which, you know, over there with Baker Dunleavy, who, who coached at Villanova and played at Villanova. And so Quinnipiac is essentially like, like a, a mini Nova in a way with the, yeah, with the yeah. attitude and, you know, everything that yeah. the way that they try to run their program. I mean, so when I think of Jay Wright, you know, I mean, when I used to see Coach Dunleavy, it was like he was almost like a mini Jay Wright, you know, so, yeah. so like, 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 like seeing yeah. him, you know, operate, you know, in that manner. And then we, we talk to other guys that play that Villanova and they'll say, oh, yeah, like, we do this yeah. and that. And, and it's the same way. I mean, was it was it that same way back then? I mean, was he was he still, you know, I, I guess, um, running it the same way that he did? I, I mean, obviously yeah, now you, I mean, once, once you Once you find success, it's like, well, why change? Right. So we had, like, the attitude points and all that type of stuff. Man, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it just started with us. Wow, <laughs> it started with us. And you know, we used to have we used to have an attitude winner every day, and and guys loved it and got after it, and everybody wanted to 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 be the attitude winner. And I, I could have swore they, I could, I I really think I played the hardest. And usually, if you played the hardest, you're gonna win the attitude point. And I swore I played the hardest. I'm like this. There's no way that I don't win it every day. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> you guys just don't want me to win it. I, I refuse it. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? That's crazy, man. 20 years, man. Something's never changed. Yeah, man. something's never changed. I, I mean, he's had success with it, so why change it, man? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, he got he got the recipe to for a winner. Yep. Now, um, you know, I think it'll be it'll be a wasted moment though, if we didn't you know, talk about, you know, obviously with your era in the NBA, man, you were able to play against, you know, the, the late great Kobe Bryant. Um, yeah. Kind of, what, what was that like, man? Just playing against Kobe. If you have any, you know, stories or matchups, or like uh, just thinking back playing against him in your time in well, the league. Well, if you ask me, I think that was the I think that was the best era of the NBA. Um, mm, spicy. Yeah, guys, guys are better now, um, but we were more skilled and we were allowed to play defense, so it was harder to score back then. Like you was gonna be if you was a scorer back then, you could really score the basketball because the game was way more physical. I mean, I think the I think the the numbers are so inflated now. Like, I swear to you, these guys get forty points like it's nothing. Yeah. Like, you, it, it's multiple guys that you'll be like, oh, he had forty four, he had thirty six, he had forty five. It's like, oh my god, these numbers are crazy. But the game is a little softer now, so I think the the two thousand era is the best era of the NBA. Um, and Kobe being the pinnacle of that, uh, he was unbelievable. Um, great, greatest competitor. I mean, he didn't want to lose any game, any drill, nothing. Like this, this was his job, and he definitely approached it as such. Like he was always the first or last one in the gym. From what I, one of my one of my close teammates, my high school teammate Lamar Odom, he played a lot with Kobe. He played with Kobe, so he used to tell me stories about him. And how much of a hard worker he is. He said, "Yo, he's a he's an info for the basketball stuff." <laughs> so I mean, it's interesting you, you you say that. I mean, as you should that your era, you know, was the best era, you know, in, in NBA basketball. So I mean, I guess does that mean that that, that you think Jordan is better than LeBron? Do you, do you, are, are you a LeBron guy? I mean, where do you fall on that side of the debate? All right, I think Jordan was the best scorer ever. 
LeBron is probably the best player because LeBron does more for his team. Uh, he gets people involved. Uh, he's a better defender than Michael was. He can guard multiple positions. So I would say MJ's a better scorer. LeBron's the better player. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that. Where, where does Kobe fall in, in all this in, in this equation? Uh, Kobe's third, man. Kobe's third. He's because Kobe's Kobe's a Kobe's a mix. Like he's a great scorer, like Jordan. He could guard multiple positions and make the game easier for other people, like LeBron. But LeBron's bigger, so LeBron can guard a five man. LeBron LeBron is seriously he can legit guard. One, two, five. You, I know you hear a lot of people say that, but it's, that's not true. But for LeBron, it is true. He could be legit guard a one, a point guard, or he could guard a center. Yeah. So for you, man, if you had to think back on your 10-year career, man, like who was the hardest person you had to guard? Or you know, maybe some guy who, like, gave you fits when you matched up or, like, somebody who was like, damn, that dude just... I would say the late, great Kobe Bryant. <laughs> because when I was in... New Orleans, um, Chris Paul, CP3, and I played a lot together. So I would have to guard the two guards. So that means I was guarding the Kobe Bryants, the Dwayne Wade's, the Ray Allen's. And Kobe was the definitely the hardest to guard. I remember we was going through walkthrough the first time we had a play against the Lakers. And I, this, was before, this was before I knew I was going to be guarding the two guards. And then uh, B. Scott, who was the coach at the time, he was like, all right, so this is how we're going to guard it when Speedy's on Kobe. I was like, this, who? I was like, Whoa. <laughs> and, then, and then I looked at CP and he kind of smirked like, yo, dog, I got you. We, we, we come and double on the catch. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, was like I told him, I was like, yo, don't be late. <laughs> I said, we are going on the catch, not on the bounce, on the catch. <laughs> me, that, hey, not, not coach, man, like me, you know, me and Aaron, like, we're, we're DC guys, man. Like, we born and raised in DMV area, so we're big time DMV hoop guys, man. Um, did you ever, did you I, ever I, I, remember, I remember watching you guys playing uh, AAU. I yeah, was yeah, coaching, yeah. I was coaching back then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, man, did you ever like uh, match up against Gabriel Arenas with the Wizards? Did that? Yo, it was tough, man. Super, super, super tough. I don't think he gets the credit that he he deserved. Like at at a time at his high time in the NBA, he was legit the hardest point guard to guard. Like that, uh, you knew when you was going against Gilbert, you was gonna have to get your your night rest the night before. <laughs> I mean, he was. He was a bigger guard. He could shoot the hell out the basketball. He was fast. He was athletic. He had a great IQ. I mean, he just he really had no weakness. But like he was he was he was tough. But you know, towards the end of his career, he was doing dumb stuff off the court and I, I think it kinda um messed up his image. But he was tough, man. Super tough. Now you being a being a New York guy, man. We, we had Shaw Holloway on here um, on, on our podcast not too long ago. We asked him, you know, who are his favorite guards to come out of the New York area era in, in his time. Obviously, there, there's so many to get to. Yeah. You know, but in, in your era, who do you think were, were the top guys uh, out of New York? Um, I mean, the, the, around the time that, that that you were playing, the top guys was myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Shaw. Mm. Uh, a Coder, uh, who went to North Carolina, Kevin Morris, who went to Georgia Tech, 
uh, Eric Barkley, who was that who went to St. John's, who was actually my my high school teammate as well, but he played for Riverside and AAU, so we had to match up against each other. So those are the and Alan Griffin, who went to Syracuse. Those are some of the tougher guards during my era. And well, I, I my I made a mistake. I forgot the god. <laughs> I forgot the god of all guards is Stefan Marbury. Mr. <laughs> I don't know how I can forget him because he treated me and Eric Barkley like we were little boys when we played against him. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, Barbary was definitely tough, man. I don't like me, like I said, but me and Asian, we always advocate for our, our DMV area, man. So I'm always say that your know, DMV got the best hoops, man. <laughs> that definitely I, 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 like, I like the DMV area, man. Especially now, like there's some serious hoopers out there. Like I, I definitely got to break into that that area to to start recruiting. Hey, man, hey, look, give, give us a call, man. I'll give you the inside scoop on where you need to go, man. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, I mean, that's the last question that I have for you, man. If Ace right, had man. any other questions, man, uh, for, for Speedy. No, nah, that, that, that was it for me as well. All right, man. It was, it, was, it was fun, man. Glad that I jumped on with you guys. And good luck with you guys' podcast. All righty, guys. That was Speedy Claxton of Hofstra men's basketball, man. Definitely, man, want to uh, give him a, a big shout-out, man, and a big thanks, man. Just... Yo, how how cool is that, man? To have a have a coach, man, on the roster that's you know won a championship with Tim Duncan, Manu, and, and Tony Parker. I mean, that's that's nuts. Yeah, I I think it's probably most when you're talking about Tim Duncan, man. I mean, that guy seems like he's the most quietest, like awkwardest dude ever. You know, I mean, for him to say that he's he's a, he's a jokester and he always is playing around, that was surprise. That was really surprising, man. I can't even really. You know, picture him being that type of guy, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody, everybody has, you know, the things that they like to keep, keep, keep private. You know what I'm saying? So, but um, I mean, yeah, man, that 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 is that is awesome. I mean, obviously, you mean you played for Juan Dixon last year at, at University of Maryland, who you know was an NBA player and played with Michael Jordan, and you know won a national championship at Maryland. You know, was one of the best college players of all time. You know, had one of the best college careers of all time. I I, could, I just remember, you know, I always wanted to ask him questions and you know hear all the stories of of you know what really goes on in the NBA. So I mean, I know those guys are probably doing the same thing as Speedy, especially having you know him, him having played for one of the best. Dynasties in the history of the NBA with that Spurs dynasty. I mean, that, that's that's extremely cool, man. So, I mean, I, I know those guys over there are probably soaking him up, him up like a sponge and learning as much from them, learning as much from him as they possibly can. Not for sure, man. Even going back to you know the, the Quinnipiac days, man, with, with Scott Burrell. You know, even though we didn't get to play for him, man, you know, getting getting recruited by Coach Burrell um, and and being able to maintain a relationship, you know, with Coach Burrell uh, when he went to Southern right up the street, man, was was crazy, man. Just you know, as having him tell us stories about Jordan for all them years, and then you know, um, for the for this whole last dance thing to come out, man. So. By the way, if you guys have not checked out our uh, interview with Scott Burrell on The Last Dance, uh, make sure you go over to YouTube and stream that now, man. Him, we had him, uh, Dickie Simpkins on there, man, two members of that uh, Last Dance Chicago Bulls team. Some great, great stories on that one, you know. But, um, you know, getting back to this Hawkins team, man, I think, you know, they have a chance to really, really be great in the CA this year, man. I think, you know, they have – they have three guys, you know, that are averaging double figures. Obviously, uh, Isaac Conti, he's averaging a double-double, you know, 13 points, 11 rebounds. You know, Jalen Ray and Tariq Coburn are both averaging, you know, over 17 points a game, man. And, um, you know, like we mentioned in the interview, man, being able to have guys, you know, that just every year, man, from, you know, back when, you know, J- Justin Wright Foreman got drafted and then being able to follow that with, you know, uh, um, Elijah Prembenin and, and uh, DeJour Bowie, you know, and then now you got Jalen Ray and Tariq Coburn, man, and along with Isaac Conti, I mean, 
mean, they get those, those guys have a lot of firepower over at Hofstra, man. And I think that um, you know they they, they started two zero. You know they have a big time game um, against Northeastern that's coming up in the CA. Who's going to be you know a matchup of two. Um, you know, two CAA champions, the last two teams to win it. You know, we're going to um, obviously get you guys a little bit more info on that game. But um, I think that that's going to be a big-time test, you know, for Hoffs to be able to go up against a team of, of that caliber in Northeastern who also has championship pe- pedigree. But, you know, I think Hoffs is a team that, you know, because of their depth um, and because of their ability to have multiple guys who can really put the ball in the basket, um, I think that that's going to really be able to separate them, you know, when it comes time for, you know, for the conference tournament. You know, for sure. I mean, that this this series we can to tell us a lot about 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 Hofstra and about Northeastern because I mean they're both you know two two and zero in the CAA, only two undefeated teams who have played. Obviously, Drexel hasn't played yet. University of Wilmington has not played yet, and Towson and JMU have not played um, conference games yet. Um, but other teams that have played, both of these guys are two and zero. So those are the early you know two favorites in the CAA, um, obviously, like, like, like you said before, Northeastern um, and, and Hofstra haven't, haven't been the last two CAA champions. Um, that game is going to be huge um, for them uh, to, to kind of to kind of prove, you know, uh, you know, who's the big dog, who's the best team in the CAA. But, I mean, I think it's interesting that they're going to do actually a home-and-home home, um, this weekend. So the first game is going to be Thursday, Thursday night at 5 o'clock, um, and that game is going to be at Hofstra. And then they're going to play again on Saturday, um, at noon, that game is going to be at Northeastern, so we're gonna, it's going to be a little bit of a of a of a, um, of a different look. I mean, obviously, the, the most of the games throughout college basketball um, were were home and home series, but obviously, because those two teams are, are a little bit closer to each other, you know, uh, like upstate New York and then the Boston area, um, they can get to each other. So they're they're going to do a home and home series. That, that's something that I wish a lot more schools would do um, in the in this this whole coronavirus time is, you know, especially with a conference like the Mac, who we talk about all the time, man. I mean, you had teams that are literally less than an hour away. I mean, like, why can't Fairfield and Quinnipiac play one game at Fairfield, one game at Quinnipiac? Why can't Iona Manhattan play one game at Iona, one game at Manhattan? You know, teams in Jersey, you know, the same way. Or even St. Peter's, if, if St. Peter's is playing Manhattan or St. Peter's is playing Iona, you can get there in literally under an hour. So it's like, well, not, yeah, and I can finish. It's like, why, why, why are we playing two games you know, when, when you can do something like Hofstra in, in Northeastern, play one game here on one day, the next game here the next day. It's not like you're traveling, you know what I'm saying, an astronomical, astronomical distance. So, um, Jim Daly, you know, mentioned that as well last week. I think that that, that is an amazing, amazing point. Um, I wish we would see more teams, you know, do that. Cause it, it would, I mean, it, it's the fact that you have to play the same team on consecutive days or on, on I mean, this, this case is a day in between, but to play the same team back to back is a challenge in and of itself. So you're telling me I have to play the same team and I have to play the same team at the same place twice in a row? Like, if I'm the road team, that puts me at an incredible disadvantage, you know? So it's like, whereas if it was a home and home, then it would be a lot a lot easier, obviously, you know, for teams where the league is spread out, like even the CAA, you have teams in New York and teams in, you know, Boston, but you also have teams in North Carolina, South Carolina. So obviously those, those games are, are harder, but I, I, I like that the CAA, CAA did this for Hofstra and Northeastern, being that they are close, let's get a home and home um, and battle it out that way. Not for sure, man. And like one thing that I wanted to to talk about a little bit more, man, that, um you know, that we talked about with, with, with Speedy was, the strength of, of, of the CAA, man. I think that, like, let's, let's 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 talk about it. I mean, like, the CAA is a league that over the last two years has had three players drafted into the NBA. I'm talking about like selected, 
name called on draft night. You know, and, and Justin Wright Foreman and Jarrell Brantley, you know, both getting drafted, um, you know, to the, the Utah Jazz. Um, and then this year, you know, Grant Riller getting drafted to the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, I mean, this is a team that's putting guys in the NBA, man, that has NBA players. If you look at um, even, you know, back, back, you know, we got guys like Kent Bazemore who played at Old Dominion uh, when they were in the CAA. Damian Lee who played at Drexel. Obviously, we know he got that from Louisville and like that, but, you know, he spent four years at Drexel playing in the NBA right now. I remember a guy, you know, uh, another DMV name for you guys, man, Marcus Thornton, who got drafted out of William & Mary to the Boston Celtics. You know, these are all guys who have been drafted to the league out of the CA. I'm not talking about, like, Exhibit 10, two or, like, draft night, their names were called. Um, and, I mean, I think it just speaks to the talent, you know, that, that's come out of this league, man. And, and forgive me if I've missed anybody um, um, who's been, you know, drafted out, out of this league, man. But those are the greatest guys that have came to my mind you know, recently. You know, I think that, you know, this league has had a tremendous amount of talent. I mean, anytime you got, you know, a school, um, you know, like like Kyle of Charleston, man, who who had guys drafted in back-to-back years. <laughs> You know, like that's that's crazy that you know this time last year, or I guess two years ago, you know they had two NBA players on their team at one time. You know what I'm saying in the CAA, a mid-major conference, man. I mean, um, that just says a lot about the trend of the league, man. Um, you know, coach also mentioned Nate Darling, who's on a two-way right now with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you know, another DMV guy, the Matt the product. I mean, so um, the CAA is a legit league, man. I don't think there's too many leagues around the country, you know, that can say they've had as many guys you know, drafted from a mid-major league. Um, I know the OVC, obviously, with um, John Morant. And uh, what's my guy's name from Belmont that got drafted to, uh, I think, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers. Uh, um, Dylan Windler. Dylan Windler. Yep. So, I mean, I know the OVC has had some first-round draft picks. Uh, so, definitely want to get them, them some love as well, man. I mean, but the CAA is left on, man. I think that this is, you know, a very strong league, man, and a uh, league that, again, um, is going to be, you know, uh, is going to have a team – Whoever wins that league, man, you know, whether it's Hofstra, Northeastern, whether it's, you know, the field, um, I think it's going to be a team who could compete in the NCAA tournament and potentially, you know, get a win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned Nick Darling and also Nathan Knight played at William & Mary. He's with the Hawks now. I mean, that that, that league has, has has produced at the highest level um, as far as talent goes, man. I mean, I can't think of, like you said, I can't think of another major league. I think the OVC would probably be the only one um, that would be close. Uh, with all those guys from Murray State, you know, Cameron Payne, Isaiah Cannon, John Morant, um, and then obviously Dylan Wendler getting jacked from Belmont. I mean, that, that's four that have been have all gone in the first round um, out of the OVC or in recent memories. Um, but I think that would be the only other major league that you could even probably compare um, to to the CAA uh, when you talk about NBA-level players. And that's not even counting guys that weren't, you know, quote-unquote NBA, like, drafted, but uh, were, were good enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, back, going back to your Davon Sadlers uh, at, at Delaware, man. I mean, all the guys that have come through Towson and all the guys. I mean, that, that, that league is just stacked um, year in and year out uh, with talent. So, definitely got to give some props um, to the CAA. Um, we want to get to get to our favorite segment of the week, man. It's time for the craziest thing that we saw this week, man. And this week, man, the crazy thing that I saw um, was Holy Cross and BU um, played a series um, with masks. Now, the, the interesting thing about it was, so BU has um, a campus-wide mandate where you have to wear masks at all times. So this, this, this uh, con- includes athletics. So... Anything that's that's happening on campus has to everybody has to be wearing a mask. So, the first game of the series was at Holy Cross. So BU was wearing masks. Holy Cross was not, and it was an interesting game because BU came out the gate 
struggling to shoot the ball. Holy crap, got, got to a 14 nothing lead. I was like, man, these dudes are wearing masks. They can't shoot the ball. They can't do anything. It's, it's got to be affecting their vision. Like, what's going on, man? Um, but BU ended up finding, finding their stroke, finding their rhythm. They ended, up, they ended up winning that game at Holy Cross the first night. Then they go to BU. This, 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 this game is where both teams were wearing masks. Um, and Holy Cross was able to win the game. So, uh, I mean, both teams win on the road to, to get that split. Holy Cross the team that was picked 10th in the Patriot League. BU obviously was picked first. So that was, that was a pretty surprising outcome um, from, from, from the Patriot League. But, I mean, again, it just highlights the fact that it's going to be extremely hard to get sweeps in mid-major basketball this year. I mean, you got a team, Holy Cross picked 10th in the league, and BU that was picked first, and you get a split. You know, and especially at the BU's able to win that first game on the road. Normally, if you can win the first game on the road, you're coming home, you know, you're feeling good about yourself. You, that should be a game that you should win. But Holy Cross was able to get, able to get the win, get the split, um, while both teams were wearing, were wearing masks, although, you know, not not necessarily uh, the, the correct way. Um, but, you know, it was crazy to see teams wearing masks in the game. That was the first time that I had seen that all year. Yeah, nah, I, I, it was crazy, man. I seen somebody on Twitter, and they were calling it like a, a chin diaper, you know, because, you know, I mean, as, it's, it's hard to keep the mask, you know, above your nose well, for the whole game when you, you're moving around and trying to, trying to slide your feet and all that kind of stuff, man. So, hey, man, listen, I commend any team that's, you know, taking the efforts to stop the spread of the, the coronavirus, man, um, trying to keep these kids safe, you know, so – um, at the end of the day, man, I don't, I don't think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that, you know, crazy. I know it's probably a nuisance to the players um, to have to wear a mask, man. But, you know, if it's going to get us through this season um, and if it's going to get us to, you know, to March Madness, you know, we're going to be able to finish the season. And, you know, hey, like I said, I don't, I don't knock any team that's going to be taking, you know, the, the precautions, um, you know, to kind of keep everybody safe, man. But, you know, I think, you know, we have to kind of definitely get you guys some game to look forward to um, this next coming weekend, man. You know, we already touched on the Northeastern and the CAA, um, excuse me, Northeastern and Hofstra matchup in the CAA. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to, you know, Tyson Walker, um, you know, at Northeastern, who he's leading the Huskies um, with – 16 points and and um and, and five assists a game. Um, I think that he's definitely gonna you know be able to kind of match up with, with those you know those guys like Jalen Ray and Tariq Coburn and that Hofstra and kind of putting the ball in the basket, man. So, um, I think that's gonna be the, the the first game that I'm gonna have my eyes on. You know, also you know Gonzaga and, and BYU. Obviously, I think that's gonna be you know not only the the game of the week as far as mid majors, but I mean everywhere. It's gonna be a lot of big games this weekend. But that's definitely gonna be one of my games. I have circled on my calendar, man. So, um, you know, I, I'll let you kind of give, give some games to look forward to, uh, Ace. But I think, you know, for me, those are my top two that I'm, that I'm looking forward to. There's a few good games uh, this evening. Obviously, we're going to get, you mentioned earlier, Richmond and Rhode Island are playing tonight at six. Huge games for both teams. But I think Richmond really needs to get this win tonight um, to kind of get back on on, on track. Dropping two of the last three games to be able to, to beat a good Richmond, Rhode Island team will be huge for them. They're playing tonight at 6. Um, Wolford and UNCG are playing tonight at 7 p.m. as well. Obviously, Wolford's out to a 2-0 start um, in the SOCON. UNCG is the team that was picked first uh, in the SOCON. Haven't played uh, up to expectations uh, yet this season, but they're still a very good, very dangerous team. I think as, as this team, as the season goes on, that, that, that team will be there. Um, so that's going to be a big game to watch in the SOCON this year to see if Wolford to kind of get out to a 3-0 start. Um, you mentioned BYU, Gonzaga. You mentioned Hofstra, Northeastern. Uh, we're also going to see Nevada and San Diego State, a big game out of the Northwest. Um, 
Thursday at 10 p.m. It's going to be a late start. Uh, it's, it's going to be two of the better teams in that league going at it. Um, so make sure you go, go ahead and tune into that game. Um, our, our guys, man, Quinnipiac, they're getting their season going this weekend finally. Uh, well, in the night, they played they play four non-conference games, but they've gotten paused twice for COVID-19 um, positive tests. So they're going to finally get, get their max season going this weekend at home. They're playing Manhattan Friday and Saturday. So excited to see what those guys uh, are going to look like this, this weekend. Hopefully they can go and go out and get two Ws. It's going to be tough because Manhattan is coming off uh, some losses. So they're going to be trying to get back in the win column as well. Uh, obviously, and those guys always, you know, play us tough. Uh, obviously, as well, you got, you're going to have URI and VCU this Saturday at 2 p.m. VCU is a team that is, like I said, ranked number 31 in, in the initial net rankings. URI, um, depending on what happens tonight when they play when they play Richmond, that could be a team that's, that's going to be hungry um, to, to get a win there this Saturday. And we touched on a little bit earlier on um, this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Colgate and B and uh, Boston University. Those are the two pick. Those are the teams that were picked to finish first and second. BU got picked to finish first. Colgate was picked to finish second. Obviously, BU was the defending Patriot League champions. Uh, but Colgate obviously has a has a very convincing win earlier in the year. They both put their week their weekend series. So uh, that's going to be a huge game in the Patriot League um, this weekend. BU and Colgate going to be both games will be at BU. Um, not, they're not going to do the home and home thing. They they will both be at BU um, this weekend. Unless the website is wrong, um, but on ESPN it said that they were both going to be at, at BU because it, it said that ESPN had told, it said that both games were going to be at Holy Cross this weekend, but that was not true. They did a home and home. So, um, but nonetheless, BU Colgate big game in Patriot League, and then um, my my biggest game of the weekend, my biggest uh, series is Lola Chicago and Drake. I really want to find out what the Drake team is all about. They're undefeated. Rural Chicago is a, is a great team, uh, as we all know, in the, in the Missouri Valley. Those are probably the best two teams in the league. So I really want to see, you know, how Drake is going to do. If they come out of the weekend with this sweep, they should be in the top 25. They should be top a top 20 team probably in, in America if they can beat Rural Chicago. So um, if they can get to 15 and 0. So I think definitely that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge series with, with implications down the line. Um, it's going to be at Drake. Rural Chicago, Chicago is going to be on the road. Um, so definitely going to be a series that I will have my eyes on. But you mentioned, Drew, the NCAA tournament earlier. I will be remiss if we didn't mention it. It's officially NCAA announced that the entire 2021 men's basketball tournament is going to be taking place in the state of Indiana. There are going to be multiple host sites. Um, there are going to be games at Lucas Oil Stadium, Bengers Life Fieldhouse, Hingle Fieldhouse, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, Mackey Arena, uh, and Assembly Hall, um, and then the Indiana Convention Center will be used as a practice facility. So it's official. All the all the games in this year's NCAA tournament will take place in the state of Indiana um, at different venues. That, that was huge news. Um, just come out uh, uh, the other day, um, two days ago, that, that that dropped on Monday. So that, that that's good news to hear. The NCAA is finding finding a way to do this. We knew that the NCAA was gonna was planning to have it in in um Indianapolis or in Indiana, but it wasn't clear as to the facility or how they were gonna do it. So it's not official that they're planning to have have it spread out across the state um, at all these different venues. So it's gonna be interesting man to see to see if we can get there. I think I think we will. Um the overwhelming trend is that, you know, most teams are gonna get to play 13 games. I think everyone, you know, will be tournament eligible. And then it's gonna come down to, you know, Who's healthy, man? Who's 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 testing negative? Because it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a shame. Uh, I think it's it's almost inevitable that one of these, a couple of these teams probably are gonna get to the tournament, hear their name called Section Sunday, and then have to go on pause, and that's gonna be an absolute crushing scenario 
um, if it would happen. Obviously, I don't wish that on anybody, so I will knock on wood. I don't wish that on any team, but um, with the way the numbers are looking right now, it's something that people have to think about. So definitely wanted to get that out the way. Yeah, I mean, she's just going to throw it out in the universe like that, man. I, I rebuke I rebuke that statement. You know, I hope that nobody happens to nobody, man. But, I mean, she's it's the disrespect. You want to see what this Drake team is about. I mean, they're 13-0. Well, oh, well, of course. I mean, I, I don't want to disrespect them at all. I, 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 think, I didn't think that that's the best team that they've played all year. You know, Little Chicago is a team, obviously, with, with, with pedigree. You know, they're a team that, that we've seen um, compete – um, at, at a high level for, for, you know, not only this year, but in past season seasons as well. So I, I really just want to see, man, you know, uh, are they going to throttle them like they did, you know, uh, Southern Illinois? Are we going to get a more competitive game? I mean, what is that, what is that series going to look like? So that's more so what I meant. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming up here saying that Drake, you know, uh, is not deserving of any type of, you know, uh, praise that, that they've been getting. So that's, that's all I meant by that. Yeah, I mean, I think that – I mean, I don't think Drake is a team that anybody's expecting to run the table, you know. And I think that the Missouri Valley is a conference that has, has been one of the best conferences, you know, historically uh, for mid-majors. So, I don't think anybody's expecting them to, to run the table in that conference. So, I mean, I think that a loss, um, you know, could come eventually. Um, I think, you know, when we're talking about a team like Louisville Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised if they did lose this game. You know, but I say all that to say that even if they do take a loss, I don't think that diminishes, you know, uh, how good this Drake team is. Um, I don't think that diminishes the fact that they're going to be a team that at the end of the year, um, when it comes around time, you know, for, for Selection Sunday and March Madness, is going to be worthy of um, maybe getting at large bid, or maybe if they win the Missouri Valley, definitely can upset some teams. Um, so you definitely want to put that out there, man. Uh, I think that, you know, whatever happens this weekend, um, I think that Drake has done a lot um, this year to kind of prove that, that, that they're worthy of a whole lot of praise, man. Yeah, for sure. They just can't get swept. They can't get swept. If, yeah, they're, they're at home. They're at home. So I don't, I don't think they'll get swept. I think that they'll definitely get at least one for sure, if not two. You know, if I had to, um, if I had to bet on it, I think that I would say they'll, they'll, they'll get the split. Um, but I would not be surprised if they do go ahead and, and, and get the sweep. If they sweep Little Chicago, we're having a whole different conversation if they, if they sweep them. I think, I think now you're, you're talking about potentially one of the best teams in the country um, out of the Missouri Valley um, in, in, in Drake. So we'll have, to, we'll have to stay tuned to that. That game is, again, going to happen uh, Sunday and Monday. So make sure you guys tune in to that matchup, man. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Auto Bid, man. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, man. As my guy Drew said at the beginning of the show, make sure you guys like, uh, subscribe, give us a little rating, um, comment, tell a friend and tell a friend, man, so we can keep getting this episode in front of the right people, man, so we can keep growing this thing uh, on a weekly basis, man. So um, every share on social media helps, you know, every retweet, every repost in your stories, all that, man, it helps. We are extremely appreciative of it, so thanks a lot for that, man. As always, we're going to let our guy pull up take, take us out with some music, and until next time, folks. What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot, I'm going to take your last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.